This is the Toasted Sister Podcast. I'm Andy Murphy. My Patreon page is finally live. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's a way for fans of this podcast to financially support this podcast. It's like a viral tip jar that you put money into every month for as long as you want to. Memberships are $1, $2, 5 10 and so on. Uh, with each membership, you get cool stuff from me, including stickers, one of the last copies of the Imminent Cuisine Indigenous Food Futurism zine, postcards, and a t-shirt. Folks who pledge $2 or more get a shout-out on an episode, and here are some awesome folks who already signed up. Mitch Makoviak, thank you so much for being my first patron. Mitch is a hunting knife level patron. I named these membership tiers after knives. Uh, So I'll be sending him one of the last copies of the zine, a lino cut corn mic print and some stickers. Also, thank you so much to Finney Brown, Elaine DeRico, Fred Yee, Camille Silberman, and Kathy Murphy, that's my mom. With your support, I'll be able to pay another audio engineer to help me put together these episodes and get them out more frequently. I'll also be able to update some audio equipment and stash some away for future travel or ordering more merchandise. So if you want to support this podcast on a monthly basis, find the Toasted Sister podcast on Patreon. Links are on the Toasted Sister website and on social media as well. Speaking of stickers, I ordered more Toasted Sister stickers. The Cool Corn Mike one and the Blessed Mary Mother of the Corn one. And they're available on the website, ToastedSisterPodcast.com. So go get one for your laptop or the back of your car. All right, that's enough for me. You probably want to know which indigenous chef is in the spotlight this time. So here's my visit with Suquamish chef Paul Natrell in Vancouver. this that's the the duck prosciutto with a pesto sauce We do a bunch of smoked meat as well too. Uh, my other kitchens, I don't know if you noticed it coming in. That's that red uh, trailer over there. Yeah. Like we do like smoked, lots of smoked salmon. Uh, we do smoked pork, smoked chicken. It's pretty good. Yeah. So where are we? Um, I just got off the the C bus and yeah. then hurry up and got a, in a taxi and came yeah. here and right into a neighborhood. So where are we? We are in North Vancouver. I'm from the Squamish Nation. In our language, we call it 
this part uh, Slahan, and that's uh, Mission Reserve in English. So we're on the reserve. Yeah, we're on the reserve here. Okay. In uh, <laughs> North Van. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Let me uh, let me get into this pesto one. Yeah. I launched uh, Vancouver's first Indigenous food truck, Mr. Bannock, in 2018, and we specialize in Indigenous cuisine. Uh, we've been focusing on like indigenous street food so the pizza that we had is going to be like specials throughout the summer and that uses uh, bannock base but it's baked stone baked in the pizza oven and there's uh, some elk salami some duck prosciutto uh, some greenery with uh, pea shoots and the garlic shoots and mushrooms Nice. So uh, you, you park um, all over Vancouver or where, where are you uh, popular at, I guess? Yeah, like we do a ton of catering throughout the whole lower mainland. And uh, we have a business license for catering. So we can do any of the big events in the city. Uh, we can do offices and schools. And we get a lot of visits throughout from the youth uh, throughout the lower mainland. So what is bannock? That was my first time having bannock, and it's a pretty thick, uh, pretty thick piece of bread. Um, down where I'm from, we have fry bread, yeah. and Navajo fry bread is a lot different than than <laughs> this. But a lot of people kind of compare bannock and fry bread, but it's not the same at all. Yeah, well, the the bannock that we have up here, uh, there's so many ways to do it. Like you said, Navajo is a little bit different. Like I do something similar up here as well. Um, you just do a variety, like every region and every nation has a different way of doing it, right? And like once upon a time back in the day, like the different families here would have a different recipe. And at all of the, the local events, like the family gatherings, people would look forward to certain ones because who has the best bannock or who has the best feast, even the best smoked fish or like all the, the forged greens and like vegetables that we have, right? Uh, who has the the freshest like like meat as well. We're here in Vancouver, the West Coast, so it would be salmon or like different kind of seafoods here. Yeah, just like sharing like indigenous food from each of the families. So how did you get into um, into the food business and specifically into the food truck business? So when I was younger, like my dad passed away when I was 11 years old. I was fairly young, but uh, my mom was a single mother. She did her best to raise us. Uh, hands up to her and my grandmothers as well. They stepped up and like helped raise me and my sisters. But like af with that happening, like uh, we lived with my grandmother and she we had like a bunch of aunties and uncles that lived with us and cousins as well. So like at dinner time, they would be cooking kind of like a feast because we had a full house and something just pulled me to the kitchen and it just grew from there. And then like I knew... Like, I would be a cook of some sort, but I didn't know or think I would be specializing in our indigenous food. In 2009, I started a culinary program at Vancouver Community College. 
Back then it was called an Aboriginal Specialty Program where they taught us classic French for 10 months and then the last two months was uh, intense Aboriginal Specialties. Uh, we went to Musqueam to different smokehouses. We were up Whistler to show us some pit cooking and some wind drying areas up there. And we went to Stanley Park and had uh, tours there that showed us like indigenous herbs and uh, like medicines as well, right? So after that, like that was it. Like I was, I was hooked, and this is this is my life, right? <laughs> so you got an award, right? Recently, uh, tell me about that award. Yeah. So the last couple of years been pretty crazy. In 2018, we launched Vancouver's first Indigenous food truck, and in 2019, last year. Uh, we got a BC Indigenous Award, and that was for Youth Entrepreneur of the Year. And it's uh, super exciting. Like, I didn't, just like what I said about not knowing that I'd be specializing in our food, like, I never thought I would get an award for cooking. So it's a huge honor, and just keep hustling and keep trying to showcase our food culture. Um, what do you like most about being an entrepreneur? Yeah, like, uh, like I can control my schedule a bit more. Some at times, right? Uh, like I have six kids at home, so like I grind like pretty hard during the daytime and at night I get to go home and see the kids. Uh, like I, if, if I don't want to go, I can hire somebody to come in and like just take a bit of time off right like I've been cooking since 2009 uh, even a bit before that but that's when I, professionally I started before that I was a dishwasher at a couple places I don't know if you heard of Denny's restaurant oh I think so it's like an American place <laughs> yeah <laughs> is uh, a breakfast joint right <laughs> and uh, there's one just down the road from here but I was a dishwasher there and after doing a, a crap load of dishes, like I was like, how can I get out of here? So school was was the option, right? Yeah, it, it, a lot of people have their start as just a dishwasher, um, but you know I think that's a very like humbling experience for a lot of chefs to have. Um, what I guess what would be your advice to young indigenous uh, dishwashers out there who? Um, like maybe this might be the start of a culinary career yeah well the dishwasher is a huge part of every kitchen right like i love them and i show them a little bit extra care like before i started my business like i always made sure the dishwasher was good like did they need any drinks did they need any food uh like at the end of the shift, we'd go in the back and help them out so all of us can leave at once, not them staying there read till the end, right? And that just goes like in anything. It's a it's a circle. It's a group effort. And just keep working hard, grinding away, uh, get your work done. But after that, try try push your way in the kitchen. Ask if you need help. Uh, if there's any kind of prep that you can do. Uh, put the food orders away, put the, yeah, get to know your, your produce mm. while you're there. 
like when you're putting away like the food orders like you can see what's frozen you can see what's fresh you can see the different kind of veggies like you can learn the herbs and stuff when when you're in that kind of position right there's always uh stuff that you can learn and like i had a bunch of great mentors like that's how like i just listened to everything that they said and now i have uh good business here in vancouver yeah 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 I, i've i've been tr- like really curious to to start somewhere or just just to be in a kitchen i mean because i'm on the other side i'm a consumer i'm a food writer i'm somebody who gets the final product on the dish um on the table and i've been wanting to um maybe like offer to be a dishwasher for a weekend or something to just learn and see what it's like to actually be in the back um i've been in the back of a, a couple of different busy kitchens like during dinner time and that's crazy (laughs) it just felt like I'm sorry I'm in the way but they're like no we want you back here to see the process so so what is it about uh about cooking about being in the kitchen that you just love just the the whole environment and like to see like raw whole ingredients and then adding flavors adding textures just creating stuff for a visual effect but you have to also make sure that it tastes good as well right it's a challenge not everybody can do it and i guess that's what it is right it uh helps like the juices to flow like get your creative side going uh test things out like there's a lot of things that i've tried that is not good but yeah like when i before i became a chef like i didn't eat too much fruits and veggies like as a, a big meat eater like a carnivore but like growing as a person as a chef like i really enjoy like all the fresh produce and yeah like everything local or international whatever just stuff that tastes good right but learning about the products and how to use it is huge. Can you give me sort of like a snapshot of uh, the native restaurant uh, scene? I know it's not that big, just like in the in the states, you know, there there aren't very many native restaurants, of course, and I'm pretty sure it's the same uh, here. Uh, but kind of give me a snapshot of of um, food entrepreneurship in uh, Canada or or Vancouver. Yeah, it's it's just having a like a restaurant or a food truck like the food industry is hard right um there's a lot of people that want to try to do it but they're not successful right and whether that's because of lack of education or experience uh there's only one indigenous restaurant here in vancouver uh salmon and bannock um they're a part of uh indigenous tourism bc and so is mr bannock so like we know each other we've worked with each other uh recently they had their 10 year anniversary and me and my colleague were there doing some still photography and some videography for them to celebrate something huge like 10 years as a indigenous owned business right so yeah just get your experience in and like work hard but develop a a product that's unique and just shoot for the stars right why is it important to you to um, showcase indigenous food uh, the way that you do 
It's uh, super important to me to spe- to showcase like the regional cuisine and the stuff that my great grandparents and my grandparents used to have. Right, uh, like I said, there's only one restaurant here in Vancouver, and that's that's a huge loss for everybody that travels through Vancouver or any other city that's pretty similar. Right. Uh, we have a lot of stuff to offer, a lot of different flavors and textures to share and showcase. Um, trying to help out with that with uh, Mr. Bannock and the food truck, right? Uh, the Every chef's and cook's goal is to have their own restaurant one day. But, like, this is a, definitely a first step towards that. Tell me about the first time you made Bannock. Yeah, like the first time making bannock for me was definitely a challenge. Uh, both my grandmothers made it. One did the fried bread, one did the baked bannock, and they tried to teach me, and I was pretty frustrated. Like it took me a few times to get it down, but <laughs> it's hilarious because the first bannocks I ever did came out as hockey pucks. They were super hard, right? <laughs> But uh, since then, I've done like thousands of these, and it's uh, spot on. All right. Did you did you um, have to eat it? The the, ho- the hockey pucks. Ah <laughs> uh, no, thank God. Okay. Like my my grandmothers wouldn't do that to me. Okay. They were uh, they're awesome ladies, and like one of the best, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they wouldn't make me do that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sometimes when I make something that's just awful, I just like, I force myself to eat it and finish it, especially if it has meat in it. I don't like to waste any meat at all. So um, I force myself to to finish it and it's kind of like a punishment. Like I'm going to take my punishment. I'm sorry for wasting these ingredients, but they're not going to go to waste. I'm going to eat them even if I don't enjoy it. So, um, you know, in, in the States, we talk about fry bread. Uh, um, you know, and it's an, a controversy, right? Fry bread is a controversy. Um, is it the same here with bannock? Are we trying to change the narrative of indigenous food by getting rid of bannock? Yeah, there's a lot of people that aren't fans of it, right? But like, it's a part of every culture. Like, you see Tim Hortons, they have donuts everywhere, right? Uh, not even just that, like every fair you go to, there's like any kind of mini donuts or cinnamon buns or something like it, right? There's not much we can do about it. Uh, just my advice is just to have it in moderation. Uh, just people like myself, we can do a lot of delicious things with it to share and showcase, right? So where did it come from, Bannock? Yeah, there's uh, there's a big debate about it coming from our friends like way over there in Germany but uh like every region had something similar the actual word bannock itself is german i think or something like that but uh we had something similar i don't know which language it is but it's something like lapal and it was uh like ground ash and like different kind of herbs and herbs formed into a paste and people would cook it on hot rocks or on a stick right so so this there's a new group um i've been hearing about the um indigenous culinary of 
Associated Nations. Of Associated Nations. Okay. Uh, tell me about that. It seems like there's going to be some really exciting things coming from that group of uh, chefs. Yeah. Uh, it's very exciting times. I sit on the board. I'm a founding member of the group. And we're an elite group of indigenous chefs across Canada. And we share, showcase, and educate about indigenous culinary experiences. Uh, we recently went to Whitehorse Yukon and we worked with uh, eight youth up there and we showcased their regional foods and uh, they shadowed us for like three days up there. It was just awesome experience for them and for us as well. It was uh, definitely a bit challenging to keep uh, eight different cooks busy at once. <laughs> but I think, yeah, overall it was a really good experience. Like we went and created a menu from their regional, their regional foods there. I think we did like 20 rabbit hair, like indigenous ingredients there, right? And then we did some Arctic char. I did something a bit fun with the Arctic char. I seared it and then I made a maple glass. So like it's a candy, right? So I made the candy and then put it on a baking sheet and then just crushed it up. And it looks like exactly like a mirror when it's all hard. You just crush it and then you can see this nice effect on there. And then I took it off and seared the Arctic char and then put it on there and then finished it in the oven. And then it melts right on the, the top. And then when you bite into it, it's like a, a candy Similar to like a candy apple, if you bite into it, right? That was uh, uh, that was super fun for me. It was exciting. What was the need to to gather into a into a group like that? Yeah, it's definitely huge because like when I first started, like I said back in two thousand nine, two thousand ten, there weren't a lot of indigenous chefs, and not many people knew about in like uh, Aboriginal cuisine, indigenous cuisine and now like it's it's everywhere there's a lot of good chefs around turtle island that do it because like we originally we don't have any borders right i have family down in Tulalip, washington i have friends across down the nation down there and i have friends like across uh north here in canada too right just to come together and offer different uh visuals and textures of indigenous cuisine right uh, we have uh, a member that runs a casino in calgary there's uh somebody that owns a restaurant in toronto uh the one in calgary just got uh restaurants canada award from the nation uh the one from toronto he's got one of the best indigenous restaurants in the world and then there's a couple of others, one from Quebec and Manitoba, and they've both been on the Food Network station and, and a show called Red Chef Revival, which was huge recently, like a YouTube one. But uh, yeah, like we're like-minded chefs that come together, share and showcase and educate about indigenous culinary. Okay. And the group is called... Indigenous Culinary of Associated Nations. Uh, yeah. Cool. And um, you guys are all over the internet. You guys have a Facebook page. You have an Instagram page yet? Yep. Okay. Facebook, in Instagram, Twitter. Okay. 
so you mentioned um i think while well, i had the recorder off you were talking about you know smoked meats there's another like kitchen location you have just down mm-hmm. the road here uh tell me about uh smoking meats and and where you got where you um you know, harvest that from yeah so we smoke uh, like a ton of different kind of meats like i do a lot of uh smoked salmon I do some pork, I do some chicken, we do venison and elk, uh, you name it, right? Like that's what we did, all did like once upon a time, whether it's through open flame or actual smoke houses. Uh, <clears throat> where my kitchen is now, my my late grandfather used to have a smokehouse raid right in the corner. And my mom was just recently telling me a story about how he would be smoking a lot of fish during the, the summertime. If he wasn't smoking fish, he would be canning. Uh, yeah, like it's one of the things that I love to showcase personally. Uh, like I have a like a modern smoker. I have a Bradley smoker, and we use apple wood, uh, cherry wood, uh, mystique. Yeah, you can get you can mix it up if you like, but apple wood and cherry wood are my preferences. What what's your favorite kind of food? What what's um some maybe a, a different kind of restaurant that you like to visit just on your on your off time for fun? Yeah, there's uh there's a bunch of good local ones, but I I love pasta or pizzas. So trying stuff like that like around the city or wherever I travel to is is always fun. So, so what's what's in the future for you and uh, Mr. Bannock and maybe even the the group Indigenous Culinary of Associated Nations? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah it's uh, super exciting. Like recently, I've had conversations with potential partners and investors to to grow the Mr. Bannock brand. Uh, hopefully, nationally here in Canada. Uh, we it's been a busy winter for me doing a bunch of paperwork and planning uh, hoping to see a few different locations open up soon and uh, as for ICANN we're like super busy like this is something some of the work that needs to be done uh, showcasing and sharing indigenous culinary uh, we do taste of the nations throughout the, the country uh, we're going to Quebec we're going to Manitoba Toronto I'm going to Soyuz. It's like three hours away, I think, in Calgary as well. I think that's next week. But uh, yeah, like we do keynote speaking, we do Taste of the Nations, uh, mentoring, like you name it, right? Uh, we're just a group of chefs that to go and cook and try to share and showcase what we do. Is there an issue that you guys want to tackle or um, is there some kind of uh, concern that you guys have about food, about indigenous food and, and where it is now or where it could be in the future? Yeah, like there's uh, there's so many different ways to do indigenous culinary, right? There's so many different styles, so many textures. Uh, there's a lot of stipulations about showcasing like the really traditional indigenous indigenous foods right and uh, we have some meetings with uh, like food inspectors here in Canada we have uh, like a sit down like a table discussion with them with a couple of us from ICANN uh, inspectors from around Canada 
as people from indigenous tourism as well but we're gonna come together in calgary and have a roundtable discussion about some of these issues and how we can be able to incorporate more of our foods because uh, that's definitely a challenge right now for every community to share and showcase their regional stuff right because like food laws and health laws and stuff like that yeah. kind of make it make indigenous food illegal yeah for sure that's huge and like if we can assist in any way and educate like all around like food inspectors uh people that come to have our food other chefs other cooks other restaurants like you name it right we want to be there to to help make any situation that much easier for everybody so so everybody can enjoy indigenous cuisine to the max right to the max all right i think That was Mr. Bannock himself, Paul Natrell. Check out Mr. Bannock on social media to see about openings and closures affected by COVID-19. Thank you to Soul Traverso for helping me edit this episode. Music, as always, by CWION. Check out this band's music at CWION.com. That's CWAYON.com. This podcast is supported by the Kuwanik Broadcast Corporation, meaning I get to use some of their audio equipment to record these episodes. Follow Toasted Sister on social media. There's some cool things in line, so you don't want to miss any kind of announcement about it. Thank you so much for listening. Please support this important journalism work on Patreon or by sharing episodes with your friends or rating and reviewing on iTunes. Mm